Welcome to Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Randy is teaching on the last laugh. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans 4.16 as we continue on in our series, Simple Faith. Let's listen now. Last week, we, we talked about the fact that Abraham was a father of many nations, but he was also a father of grace. It was that God counted it to him as righteousness. Last week, we talked about Romans 3, 23, two weeks ago, that, 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 that some people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is that what it says? No, all have sinned. We were at Kids Life Club, and I, feel, I, do, I do a Kids Life Club at Starling, but then I filled in at Cooper this week because they were short, and I had this kid in my class and, and this boy was amazing. His name was Nehemiah. Of course, if your name's Nehemiah, you know, you got to bring something. You know, you can't be Nehemiah and then be lame. And, and I said, I said, guys, you know, we were, we were talking about the Noah story, which is kind of a heavy story. I mean, it, it's really not a kid. It's really like maybe the toughest story in the whole Bible to talk about. And, and, and I said, you know, it, it says that God did this because of sin. I said, do you guys know what sin is? And Nehemiah goes, yes. My brother is a perfect example. He's sitting right over there. He said, he has anger issues, Pastor. That's what we talked about last week. Today, we're going to talk about grace over circumstance. It's the misguided laughter of hope. Four, chapter four, beginning at verse 16. If you guys would stand with me. Four, beginning at verse 16, we're going to read three verses. That's why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, and not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls him into existence, the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope, church. There are days that you have hope that is against hope. Common hope doesn't have enough. You have to have the hope against hope. In hope, he believed against hope that he would be the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, I love parenthetically when the Bible like, like, look, he was about 100 years old. That's as good as dead, all right? Y'all be seated. Let's get into the word here. Here's the first thing that we just read, and here's the thing. Faith is directed at God, not at circumstance. You might be in a situation today, and you go, this, this is bigger than me. The doctor says, this is incurable. The the it looks like this relationship is broken beyond anything that I can get to. But your faith is not directed to the circumstance. Your faith is directed to God. I want, you got to get this. It's when, 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 you, when you are in a situation that is bigger than you, you have got to get your eyes off the situation. We were hiking one day. And we were on this little trail, it's a place called Crispin Cave, and there's this trail, it's about this wide, and, 
and, and I slipped on the trail and, and I, I slipped and I, and I grabbed a hold of this branch. And, and if I let go of the branch, I'm gonna slide down this little hill about six feet. And then it's a 90 foot drop. And my dad, I, I'm looking at that. And my dad goes, Randy, look at me. Look at me. I said, Daddy, I'm looking at my little branch here. He goes, he goes, you got to give me your other hand. At some point, I have to let go of this little branch. I have to trust in that this hand that's holding me is more than the little branch that's holding me. That's, that's faith above the circumstance. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 43. Verse one, Isaiah 43, one. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, remember this. He who forms you, O Israel, remember that Jacob and Israel. Remember we've talked about Abraham. We're now talking about Jacob and Israel. Remember this. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Does he say you're not gonna pass through the waters? No, he says you're gonna pass through. The, you're gonna pass through the waters, church. You are going to pass through the waters. Anybody that says you come to faith and then everything is easy. What book are you reading? Like, did it work that way for the disciples? No, it's the opposite. Listen, the opposite is often true. You come to faith. And then it can get hard. It, it never promises it gets easy. This is what he promises. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Though the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, whoa, the river. I got the river. I can swim. But the fire, I do not have asbestos boots. That's illegal now. You walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flames will not consume you. Because you're strong. Is that what it says in verse three? Because, because you got enough faith. Is that what it says? Is it say, because you believe hard and because you did this, because you did that. No, no. Why? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Look at this. Your Savior. Jesus' words pre-Jesus. Before you get in the middle of this. I, I love this. See, you gotta stand on the promises of what God has said about you. You, you verse one, you are mine. You are mine. What does that mean, you are mine? I, I have a car. I really like that car a lot. It's a Mustang. It, it sounds good. I don't have to drive it fast. People, people pull up to me all the time and want to race me. I don't have to race them because it just sounds good sitting there at the light. You, 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 put your, you take your Honda Accord and you put your foot on the floor and you, sound like a, you can sound like a chainsaw, but I'm going to sit here and sound good at the light. That's all I want to do. But one day it won't be mine. As a matter of fact, I promised it to my granddaughter Harper. Um, when she turns 16, okay? It's, it's actually in my will that Harper gets that car when I'm gone. And, but, but if the car isn't good at that point, 
whose car is it going to be? Go ahead, say it. Somebody said it. The junkyard. And I, I mean, you think about how could that car wind up in the junkyard? There's a, I mean, you remember y'all are the, that are older. Anybody, anybody in here older than 50, you don't have to raise your hand. All right, just think about it, okay? If you didn't have a, if you didn't have a IROC Z or a Corvette or a Porsche or a Mustang, do you know where that car is? Your first car? It's in the junkyard. It's in the junkyard. It's scrap. It, so you say it's mine, but it's kind of not mine, right? It's, it's kind of not mine. We, um, we, were up in, we were up in Kentucky this week, and Nita and I took nine students up to Asbury, and we were there in the cafeteria, and I ran into somebody I hadn't seen in like 35 years, and, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, we're here with some kids. I said, I brought up, Anita and I brought up like, like nine of our kids, and he said, how many kids you got? You know, and, and I said, oh, like, like, like 120, you know, and, and I said, well, we brought nine juniors and seniors. He goes, boy, that was a busy couple years for you, wasn't it? They're they're, my, they're not mine like they're like mine. It, it's not like that. But look, he says he's called you by name. You really are his. You, you really are his. If this is Toy Story, Andy's written on the bottom of your boot. You, you really are his. That, that's, that's how he sees you. you he loves you. You you're his, but, but not, not like a slave, like a child, like you care for that. What would you not do? What would you not do? It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Harper is with us today and Daniel's not here. So there's obviously something going on there. We're praying. It's, it's a good thing. It's an exciting day uh, for us. It was a long night, uh, but an exciting day. Another child in our family, what would you not do for that child? You remember, parents, you brought your baby home for the first day? It changes everything, doesn't it? You hold that child, there's, there's, there's nothing you wouldn't do. There's nothing you wouldn't do. Verse, verse 19 of Romans chapter four, let's go back into this text. This is, this is what it, this is what he says here when we're talking about this future and this hope. He says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as death. Listen, it, it, it kind of started that way, though, because there was some laughter going on. Genesis. We're going to do a lot of Bible flipping. I hope you got a bunch of ribbons and tabs and stuff in your Bible. You're going to be a Bible flipper today, whether you want to or not. Genesis 17, verse 17. God says to Abraham in verse 15, he says, Sarah um, is gonna have a name change. I'm gonna bless her and I'll give her, I'm gonna give you a son by her and I'll bless her and she'll become nations. Kings of people will come from her. And look at this, verse 17. Abraham, Abraham basically says to God, come on, man, what, what are you doing here? What, it, what? Look at what it says. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. 
It, it, Abraham didn't giggle. Abraham didn't go, ha ha, that's funny, God. It literally says, have you ever laughed so hard you thought you were going to pass out? That's one of the things I love about being a youth pastor. I had three of those episodes this, this week with the kids. I mean, they're do, something happens so funny. You can't, you're laughing so hard you can't breathe because it's just such a funny thing. Abraham, it says he fell on his face and laughed. I mean, this is convulsive laughing because God has said, Sarah, who's 90, and Abraham, who's 100, are going to have a baby. I got an amen out of that. Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child. Then flip over to 18, because here's, here's the problem when you doubt God. 18, chapter 18, verse 12. Because here's what happens. Some angels come. These are the same angels that go to Sodom and Gomorrah, by the way. These angels come, and in verse 9, they say, they say where is Sarah? And, and he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely. So the Lord's speaking through these angels. I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door behind him. This is, this is, verse, this is verse 10, 11. Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in the way. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. I think we can all figure out what that is. The Bible says that so eloquently, by the way. So Sarah laughed to herself. Am I worn out and my Lord is old? Now look at this. Look at this word. Shall I have pleasure? Woo. A little awkward. Let me tell you what the word is. The word there, the Hebrew word is Eden. Shall I have Eden? Wait a minute. You read this text, it isn't, just that, it isn't just that Sarah and Abraham can't have kids. The relationship is maybe not what it once was. Shall I have? There's lots of words that could go in here. The word that she uses is, is the word Eden. Do you remember what it was like in Eden? Before the fall, and we would walk through the garden, and it was beautiful, and all we wanted to do was be together. Do you remember that? Like, it was, it, all you had to do was be together. Nothing else mattered. It didn't matter what was going on around you. All we had to do was be together. That's, that's the word. It's, it's this, this word. It's, it's delight. It's delicacy. And here's the thing, don't doubt God. In chapter 21, you, you see this, that, that Sarah has this child and there's this resentment. You see, sometimes, sometimes trauma doesn't just go away because something good happens. You, you go through trauma and you get through the trauma and, and like the doctor's diagnosis comes and it's traumatic and then you get healed and you're better. But then you don't want to go back to the doctor again. Anybody ever, I mean, think about it. You, you, you've had that phone call, that traumatic phone call, and then every time the phone rings. And, and even though you got past what happened, Sarah didn't fully get past it yet. There were a, 
a number of things here that, that, that caused pain in her life. There's a natural consequence of disbelief. I would just point, and I don't have time to get into it today, but the whole thing of Sodom, there's this contrast of even though Abraham's faith was, was small, he believed. Where Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a lack of belief. Abraham, apparently there was this rejuvenation that happened in Sarah. Whatever skin cream she was using, I mean, if we could package it, we could build us a gym, okay? We could package it, and we could sell it on infomercials, and we could build a gym. I mean, it would be amazing. Because, because Sarah twice, kings of country, won Abimelech, and, and Abimelech, and this is, in, this is in Genesis 20, Abimelech like, like sees her, and he's like, boy, she is mighty fine. She's 90 years old. The king who gets his pick from the country, this is a pagan foreign country. The king can pick of any woman in the country, and he's like, I want her. There's a rejuvenation that happens here, and Abraham, man, he mans up. He goes, she's my sister. No wonder Sarah's got some identity issues. There is a consequence. <laughs> this is so funny. It's in the text. You can read it for yourself. God comes to him, and he says, you're a dead man. I mean, it literally says that. You're a dead man. I mean, People say that to each other, but you don't think it's true. But like when God says it, you know, you better pay attention. And, and Abimelech's like goes to, goes to Abraham. And he's like, what did you do to me? He goes, you said she's your sister. Well, she's my, she's my half-sister. There's a consequence to unbelief that, that winds up having consequences, not just in you, but the people around you in, in, in generations to come. But on the other hand, verse 21, there's this chapter four of Romans, verse 21. There is this blessing when we walk in belief. Just look at this. He says, he says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That's why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written. Look at this. For who? For his sake alone. Your faith is not for your sake alone, church. Your faith is not. This is the problem in American Christianity. We want everything to be about us. We want everything to be about our well-being. God, you know, do this in me. You know, do this in me. Do this for me. Make, make this better for me. As a parent, look, I, it's, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, just letting you know that, okay, all right? And I, and I appreciate the cards and the notes and every, I do, and the tomatoes, and you know, this is the great thing about pastoring in Georgia, you get fresh vegetables almost every week, people bring me those, leave them on the front door, that's great, pies and all that, don't do it in pies, don't do pies because Mike and I have a bike ride, ride slash race later this month. We're climbing 8,400 feet and 84 miles, and I do not need pie, okay? Bring me protein powder, all right, okay? But, but like, I love all that. But if you really want to bless me, just be good to my kids. I appreciate you praying for me. I do. Pray for my kids. Pray for my grandkids. Amen? Yeah. You reach a point where you realize it's no longer just about you. He says, it's not written for his sake alone. 
but for ours also. It was counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Now look at this verse 25. We're gonna come back to this. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is, this is the thing of this text. There is always a blessing that is more than just us. I've got some references there. Job chapter eight. You can actually like put an X through that because I, if I had time to dig into this text today and I wanna speak a little bit at the end here, so I'm gonna not spend a lot of time on this, but, but, um, but uh, Bildad the Shuhite who comes to Job and he says, listen, let me just make this really clear. You and your kids' problems are obviously because of your sins. And that's not what's going on in the book of Job. That's common, that's, that's karma. We don't have a God of karma, we have a God of grace. You, if, if karma is your identity, it ain't Jesus. Okay, all right? Because Jesus took all your, if you, if you had karma, you do not want it. You do not want it. Jesus took your karma. He took it to the cross. All right. He who knew no sin or karma became your sin or your whatever it is you deserve. And what did you deserve? Romans 3.23, the wage, well, 6.23, the wage of sin is death. That's what you get. That's your karma, baby. You want your karma. Here's what you get. You get death. That's what you earned is your karma, is your death. But it ain't about karma. It's about grace. He, he takes that on himself and he's delivered up for our trespasses. He's raised for our justification. It isn't just about that. No, it, it's, it's so much more than that. You, you, have, you have Psalm 78. It's written out there on the wall so the next generation would know. It, it's, it's about Jeremiah 29 that God has plans for you, not plans to harm you. He says, when you go in this land, live your life because I got plans for you. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, I have plans for you. I will be with you in the midst of your circumstance. You're not gonna be alone in the middle of your circumstance, whatever that might be. It's, it's about Joshua chapter four, verse 21. He says, oh, this is what I want you to do. When you cross, I want you to, I want you to take these stones and I want you to build a monument because your children will come back to this and they will say, what do these stones mean? What do these stones mean? What are those, what are those spiritual monuments that we're building? It's gonna be bigger than your retirement account and there's nothing wrong with being wise in your finances. nothing wrong with having a vacation house or any of those kinds of things. But if that's your monument, Again, how many times can you look at a pine tree? They look pretty similar. We got a bunch of them out here. If Do this. Do this. Come help us reach kids at schools, and you can park in the, out here in the field and look at our pine trees anytime you want. Just You can look at the pine trees and pretend you're in the mountains, and then you can turn around and watch the sunset. You can pretend there's an ocean there. It, it's about a blessing and a promise that goes past that. And here's the amazing thing, Matthew chapter four. I wanna read this scripture, I'm gonna wrap up. I wanna, I wanna have some time. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 29. Because something happens in this story. The Sadducees, see the Sadducees 
The Pharisees were, were religious people that believed if you followed the law, God took you into heaven and he judged you kind of on this scale thing. Although that's obviously not what Abraham did because Abraham believed and it was counted as what? See, you guys have been paying attention. Good job. You get an A. But the Sadducees were philosophers. They were the educated, the elites, the socially rich elites. These guys went to Harvard and Yale and they didn't believe in a resurrection. That's why they were so sad, you see. They, they, they thought it was just about this life. Man, that was such a good reaction. I almost want to just tell that joke again. And, and the Sadducees come to him and, and say, and they're asking all these questions about heaven. It's like the practical things. Like, what, how can it actually be? It's, it's in the text. This is what Jesus says. But Jesus answered them. He said, you're wrong. Because you neither know the scriptures. You think you know the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels. As for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what it was told to you? Look at this. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had wives who could not have children. In that culture, if you could not have a child, you did not have a retirement plan. You had no one to care for you when you got old. You had no legacy. You had no heritage. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had children. It's how we get to David. It's how we get to our faith. It's how we get to Jesus. He can step into things that you never dreamed he could. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. This is the promise, the center of this story, back to Romans chapter four, is Jesus, who in verse 25 was delivered for our trespasses and raised up for our justification. You, that meets the legal requirement of sin, death. The wage of sin is death, and Jesus paid it. But the gift of God, this blessing of God, is eternal life. That's the resurrection. He gives us that. He takes on himself. He who knew no sin becomes our sin. So we might become the very, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, we might become the very, the very righteousness of God. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. You can try to do your best. That's works. You're God. You can believe and try to do your best. That's faith plus works. You're God along with God. You can believe in God and say, if I believe in God enough, that faith becomes a work and you're God's power. Or you can just trust in Jesus. You can trust in Jesus and love him. That's the gospel. You, you don't do something to get something. You do something because you love him. That's such a different thing. If, if you're married and your spouse says, come over here, you have to kiss me. No, that ain't what it is. It's like you kiss because you love. If you're a parent, 
You will make me pancakes because you are my parent. No, you, you will make sure my brakes work because you're my parent. No, you do those things. You will sit on the porch and we will look at that pine tree for 10 minutes because you are my parent. No. Because I, I love calling up my kids and just telling them to look at the moon and to look at the star. Like, because sometimes they look different. And I'll call them and I'll say, do you guys, I'll text them all. We've got a family chat and Harper's in it. And I'll, and I'll text them and say, do you guys see the sunset tonight? Does it look the same? Everybody take a picture of it wherever you are. Just to be. Just to be. We, here's the application and I'm done. Worship team, come up. Truth is more than just perceived reality. God is at work in the circumstance. God's at work in your circumstance. We were on our way to Asbury. This young lady calls me. She says, hi, my name's Zoe. I'm calling to thank you for giving to Asbury University. So we, we listened to, I said, what's well, so amazing? We're on our way to Asbury University with some students. And, you know, what an amazing coincidence. Let me tell you the rest of the coincidence. At the end, I said, Zoe, tell me a little bit about you. She said, well, I lived in Florida for for many years. I said, so did we. I said, where did you live? She said, Merritt Island, Florida. I said, that's amazing. I have dear friends that were at Merritt Island at Teen Missions International. She said, oh, that's amazing. My parents were on staff with Teen Missions International. They know the persons and the Cachellas. I said, I said, so Zoe, where did you, she said, we lived there with my teenage years, but then we moved. I said, where'd you move to? She said, Cambodia. My, my parents are missionaries in Cambodia today. That's not circumstance. That's God. We, we have to trust bigger than our present circumstance. And we have to learn to take God at his word above popular opinion and quite frankly, sometimes our opinion. Sometimes the way we think. Last Sunday, We had a big north, that's the high schoolers come and we just, we put the games out and they come and, and, and we, we have a testimony and, and, and Josh shares the gospel for about 10 minutes. It's, you bring your friends and, and then they just eat and play. That's what it's about, just being together. And Anita had made some chili. We had our small group and we were getting ready to leave for our small group and, and, I, and I had this pot of chili and I was carrying the chili over and I thought I heard something. And I walked over and Jane said, Randy, I heard gunshots. Just a few minutes after that, the police cars came, the fire trucks came, they lined up. A truck pulled in the driveway. I, was, I walked over there to see what was going on and a truck pulled in the driveway and there was a lady uh, in the passenger seat and she said, my, somebody called me and said, my son's been shot. For two hours the other night, I held her as she screamed. Today, we'll do that funeral here at two o'clock. Appreciate your prayers. We, um, Monday, Monday, I went to, um, I went and did a kids' life club 
and I was just with my boys, and, and, and I, th- I, got a, I think I got a picture of our hands. I don't know if we were able to get that up because I take a picture of their hands every week just to remind me to pray. And um, th- Yeah, these are, these are my boys. And then I went over to Grayson to football practice, and, and, and all these kids were coming up at the end. And, you know, they, most of them didn't know what had gone on. It's a different school, and they didn't know what was going on. And they just, and I got there, it was a, I got there a little late, and practice ended early, and they were just coming up to my car and fist bumping me and stuff. And I drove back, and I'll just be honest, man, I cried from Grayson all the way back here. And I, and I, call, I called the sheriff, and I said, we got to do something about this gun thing. I said, we, we, this, how many kids have to die? I mean, our schools don't feel safe. Our homes don't feel safe. Our grocery stores don't feel safe. Our mall doesn't feel safe. Our basketball court. Look, this neighborhood back here, it's a nice neighborhood. Those are nice homes. Beautiful neighborhood. And you can run. You can run. You can run all you want. You can go, you can go the mountains. You can go, the, you can go the, the ocean. You can go the next county. It's somewhere we have to stop and we have to plant a flag and we have to say, not now, not here. And I, I, I got to talk to the boys on the next day, the, the kids that are in my NG3 huddle. And I was just saying to them, I said, guys, I want to tell you guys something about guns. I, my daughter, Elizabeth, who is a criminal defense attorney and the sheriff both said the same thing to me. And, and as, as we were talking, these boys, these boys get these guns because they think it makes them safe and powerful because they're afraid. Their fear has captivated our world. We were, we were at, at Asbury and they were talking about this one lady was talking about these girls that come in and these girls come to this, to this leadership program and they come in and so many of them come in and they got their hoodies on and their big, their big sweats on in the middle of July and they put a blanket around them and they go to the corner and they don't talk to people. And that's the same thing that teenage boys do. They put their hood on and their sunglasses on and their headphones on. It's, it, whether you're a, a girl or a guy, you're doing the same thing. And why are you doing that? because you're afraid. Now, the difference is when it's a teenage boy, you're afraid of them. When it's a teenage girl, you just feel pity for them. But it's the same behavior because they're afraid because fear is taking over our world. But true love drives out fear. True love drives out fear. I want to show you a picture of worship at our Kids Life Club. Look at this. Look at this next picture. Look at that kid. Look at those kids. My God, that is who you are. That's the words on the screen. I'm just going to ask you this really practical question. Which one of these kids are we going to abandon? We have a culture that's afraid, no question. There are challenges ahead of us, and I don't know all the answers to them. I just know this. 
We have a God that's bigger than our circumstance. We have a God who can step into situations and he can bring hope into places where there is no hope. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to do three very specific things. Not giving, thank you, church, for giving, you've been faithful. I've not had to talk about that. We are a little bit behind on the annual budget, just a little bit, but you guys have always been faithful. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. This morning, I wanna encourage you, if you got prayer requests, to put those prayer requests on those cards and you can leave them up here. You can put them in the orange boxes. Chris will be over there at the cross. You can come over and pray if you want somebody to pray with you about specific things. If you wanna come up here and pray, you can. Here's the second thing. We're gonna take communion together. We do this together. You come and you get these elements and you go back to your seat and spend some time remembering, looking at that and remember this. Communion says, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. He bought you with his body and his blood. His body was the purchase. The blood is the sealing of it. It goes on. That's the, that's the cup, the bread and the cup. And remember, remember whose you are. Here's the third thing. We have a window of time to engage in this community for those kids. Put that picture back up. Put, for those kids, for those children. And we have this window, we have this time that, that we can engage in kids' lives. And we need your help. And you say, look, I work a, I work a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. job. I tell you what you can do. You can pray. You can pray. You, you think it's a small thing? No, it's not a small thing at all. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. I'll give you some names of kids to pray for. Some individual names. We need volunteers at our clinic in Clarkston. Scott was telling me, this is, this is my doctor and friend that runs the clinic. Wave your hand, Scott, wave your hand. Actually, stand up, you're a good looking man, look at you. Stand up, Scott, there he is, all right. You get to hang out with this good guy, all right, if, if you come down there. They had to turn people away yesterday because they ran out of volunteers. Not just doctors, but people to just do intakes. We have refugees that come to the, to the clinic in Clarkston, they need help. We got NG3 huddles. We got kids' life clubs. We got Wednesday night programs here. We got Sunday morning stuff here. And I know, maybe you're too busy. Maybe you got too much on you and it's legitimate and it's real. That's okay. Pray. Pray. Pray for our kids. And if God comes to you as an angel and says, move to the mountains, then you better go. But if he doesn't, I'm begging you to stay. Because this community needs Jesus. These kids need Jesus. And he's given us the opportunity to do this. Stand with me, church. Jesus, we come before you. God, I pray for all those faces of those kids that we see every week in these halls, in the halls of our schools at the grocery store, at the mall, 
Lord, their parents as well. We, we, need, we need men to engage with dads. So much of this comes back to a daddy issue. We need moms to engage with moms, many of whom are trying to do the role of mom and dad, and they need some help. And Lord, we'll, we'll talk about rest. I need to preach on rest sometime, and we do need to do that. But Lord, I hope when you come back, I'm not looking at a pine tree. I hope I'm looking in the eyes of a kid and I'm talking to him about Jesus or the eyes of a dad and I'm talking to him about Jesus or my family and we're laughing and we're playing and we're not on our phone because we have a world that needs us to engage and we have to be available for that because you are the God that is bigger than our circumstance. In Jesus' name we pray.